1: Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at lovesportradio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World, as usual. And I'm delighted to say that we're also joined in the studio by Jack Rosser, who is a sports reporter for the Evening Standard. And of course, Jack, a West Ham
2: fan. I'm not, I'm afraid. You're not? What no. are you doing here then? <laughs> oh, shall I, shall I go? Yeah, there <laughs> it is. Right. Thank, the door. Uh, thank who you. Who do you support, are I'm, all... a, I'm a Sampton fan. Yeah, so
3: it's probably about time. That we that we discussed a couple of weeks ago when we beat Seman's three 0 I know yeah. I've, I've discussed enough of that, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't though Jack, have we? No, we
1: haven't.
0: Not on live radio, no. Jack. <laughs>
1: There have been quite a lot of batterings for West Ham recently. They've been dispatching them out left, right and centre. The latest, of course, was at the weekend, that 4-1 win over Watford. Of course, for weeks of the season, we were eyeing up that seventh spot saying, do West Ham want it? Do West Ham want it? Can they get ahead of Watford? It was, of course, phrased as a question of whether West Ham want it rather than whether... West Ham could get it, of course in the end you couldn't, but is there a feeling now of what if, because you made such short work of one of this year's FA Cup finalists, that perhaps you did deserve to finish higher up the table
0: Well, we made short work of an FA Cup finalist who lost a man fairly early on in the game and who also have that FA Cup final looming on the horizon and I think 4-1 flattered us a bit, sorry to say it but I do think it flattered us a little bit
3: I think it's a good way to win the season, don't get me wrong, but, you know, yeah, you're right. Player sent off, and it was a little, I think it was a bit harsh. And he's, It's he's, it, been overturned, isn't it? It's been overturned, and um, the, the performance was good. he probably deserved the win, but 4-1 may have flattened us a little bit. But, yeah, we we said last week that a lot of their players may be a little bit worried about playing because of injury and, and whatnot. So I, I wasn't surprised to see us run out such... Such comfortable winners, but 4 1 was a little bit unexpected.
2: But you get those results, don't you? Last weekend of the season, you get those sort of, you know. I mean, Palace Bournemouth was the one this year, yeah, 5 yeah. 3, I think. You finished yeah, you get those results last day of the season. They're always there. Tottenham do it quite a lot, they did it against Leicester the year before, and then they lost 5 1 at Newcastle a couple of years ago as well. Mm. So, I think once once you get to that stage in the season, if you know, you get one team that's up for it, and one that's really not. It can go either way. So it might four-one might have flattered them a little bit, but there's always one team that's going to score a fair few goals in the last day of the season, and it is a nice way to go out after what's been a, a fairly positive season for them.
3: Yeah, and I think I think we've actually, and it's quite frustrating in a way that we've we've kind of made a, a bit of a habit of ending seasons really strongly. I mean, four four games unbeaten, three in a row this year. We beat Everton and Drew Many Man United the last two games last season, which was quite a good end to the season, given what we had to go through before. Uh, the year before that, I think we beat Burnley on the last out of the season uh, away, which not many people got to Burnley and win. Um, so, I mean, it was nice to, to finish well, but also it can be quite frustrating that we finished well, we started poorly. You know, the incons- inconsistency in between that in between that has been quite frustrating
2: I I don't think you're going to get that next season though personally I mean this season was a horrendous start
3: why not though Jack because but, we've
1: seen Mark Noble come out after the game and say listen next year we'll have had Pellegrini for a year it'll be phase 2 we'll be a more complete unit we'll operate as a side and we'll be more consistent does time and a magical summer holiday suddenly mean that West Ham are going to be a
2: consistent outfit there, there is a difference in it I think in the you know the start of Last season, they had Bilic, who largely treated as as much as he got, you know, some good performance out of some good players, and and had an overall quite a positive time at the club. Really, treated pre-season camps as a, as a bit of a holiday, you know, he'd go for a few beers with his coaches, and it wasn't that intense. And then they have the half season with Moyes to get everything back on on the the sort of straight and narrow. And then um, you get Pellegrini come in with an entirely different philosophy and he sort of had to work out what he wanted, where he wanted it and his message throughout that that losing run at the start of the season was we're just going to carry on going in my way and they will get it eventually and they did. And they've had a a, a largely good season since. So do you think, Jack, that what happened was Pellegrini came
1: in in pre-season he worked them harder than they're used to and that led to the downturn in results?
2: Certainly not not, not even working them harder. You know, the the hard work came when Moyes arrived because he sat down with a few of the key people in the dressing room and just sort of went, "What's gone on?" And most of them were honest enough to say that it had become a bit of a a bit of a, stro- a bit of a stroll under under Bilic and they weren't working very hard in training. But Pellegrini's philosophy is was entirely different to what they had under Moyes and and is something that takes a while to grasp. With you know even watching it and understanding it and and even more as a player. But now they've got someone whose philosophy they understand. They also had eight brand new players coming into the squad last summer, which is going to take its... Not take its toll, but it's going to take a bit of time to get used to. Um, so now they've got a summer which, albeit, might be a bit hectic because I think they're off to China and and they're also probably going somewhere in Europe as well. Are they going to leave Arnautovic there? Uh, hopefully for some people in the club. Hopefully not for others, but... Um, I'm sure we'll come onto that in a bit.
0: I think you touched on it there, though, Jack, about Arnautovic. He was he under Moyes. He was the first person who you could you could really see the Moyes effect like taking place, if you like, because all of a sudden, just from working that bit harder in training, or not that bit harder, but a lot harder in training, you saw improvements in some. Some lagged off a bit, so obviously didn't have the fitness levels. But Arnautovic was the first one under Moyes who just flourished.
2: Well, he's he's one you sort of speak to, some of the coaching staff, especially Moyes' coaching staff. That just sort of say if you point him in the right direction he you know, he's a bit haywire as a as a person and as a personality. But if you've got the ability as a coach and as a manager and as a management group to channel that, then you've got some player which Moyes didn't have to deal with this China stuff that's gone on this year with, with Arnautovic So the first half of the season Pellegrini managed that superbly and they were getting the same performances out of him and and they knew what they were doing with him and And, you know, Pellegrini is is a man of great experience and knows how to deal with a player like that. Second half of the season, maybe not so much. But what they've now got is a real understanding as a group and and they don't need to have a summer like they had last summer with with adding seven or eight players. Um, So I think now they'll get a proper pre-season under their belts. And to go back to the original sort of point, there's a good chance that that they'll start the season on the right foot this year around and, and... the key for them is just keeping that going. They don't need to win every week. Of course, they don't need to win every week. You can lose the odd game, you can get a good point, but they just need to make sure that it's not this sort of run of completely falling off and then getting back on for a few games.
1: So if West Ham do become more consistent, and I'm still, I have to confess, not absolutely convinced that they will, but if they manage it, where should you be looking at finishing?
3: I think think initially, I mean, I said at the beginning of the season, you know, if, if we can finish in the top 10, I think that'll be a good start under Pellegrini. And, you know, we should achieve that, you know, albeit you know, on the final day of the season and and with all, all, all the stuff we've had to deal with in between that. Um, but, you know, I think if you go into the second season, I think you, you've got to look at it and go, you have to improve on 10th. A lot of fans will be calling for European qualification, whether that's in the top six or, or, or the top or, or finishing seventh and then, you know, relying on an FA Cup win for, for something else. But, you know, I, I think we have to be realistic. We have to just sit there and go, do we want to go through? I mean, I've said it on this show so many times when we were fighting for seventh or or I wouldn't say fighting for seventh. Or when kind you of were pipped
2: to safe by Southampton.
3: Kind of, yeah. Thanks, Jack. Um You're coming back. Um <laughs> What, you, you've you completely thrown me here. Yeah? Is it the early start in the shittering. summer? Is that what you yeah. the early start yeah. in the summer yeah. is what it, you want it to it avoid? Was, yeah, I think I think you know we don't want the early start. And I said it before when we were uh, me and you were were debating on whether you know do we want to finish seventh? Don't we want to finish seventh because of the qualification period and and everything else? You know, if we can get into those into those positions where we can get a, you know a Europa League group stage uh, place, then fine.
0: But that's sixth place and that's, that's unlikely, isn't it? But there's a broader point oh, I about think seventh
3: is. anyway of whether
1: the club want it or not or whether any club who has yet to break into the Europa League should do it is that you kind of have to at some point, yeah. don't you? If you're a club yeah. on an upward yeah. trajectory, how likely is it that you're going to hop, skip and a jump from eighth into fourth. You're going to have to do that grind of the early start of the congested fixture list and play a bit of
0: Europa League football. That's it. I mean, Spurs done it. Look where they are now. But this season, we finished two points off eighth. So, we're saying our oh, next season, you've got to look to improve on that. At the end of the day, we're not a million miles off it this year. So no, we not. Yeah, then, no, I get know, that. What were we, five points? Five points off of seventh. So, this coveted race for seventh, whether yeah. you want it or not, which I... Definitely, definitely do. I totally agree with Johnny. I think if you want to move the club to the next level, you've got at some stage you can't just assume that. Oh, it's all right because if we don't, if we finish eighth this season, then we'll skip that pre-season phase of starting early. It's all right. We'll do so much work for the club that next year we'll finish sixth. That, that's not going to happen. You've yeah, got to strive no, as
3: you, high as you can. But at the same time, I I genuinely believe that you know everyone goes, ah, oh, six. You know, well out of reach for anyone outside the top six. It's well out of reach. It's not.
2: Not with Manchester United in this current.
3: Uh, not with Man United, but also, and I've said it before, VAR is going to going to level the playing field, because I mean, and I'm only talking from a West Ham point of view, obviously. But how many times this season have we been robbed against a top six club in terms of officiating positions? Jake, you're smiling at me. It's just the term robbed. robbed. Yeah, <laughs> but but robbed is is exactly the term to use because you know you look at Liverpool at home robbed. Robbed. You know, Man James, United away. James Milner five yards offside, still gets you know, and they score from it. Man United away. We should have won that. Robbed. Keep saying robbed, Will. Keep saying robbed. Uh, City away. Robbed. Did you not lose four-one? Wasn't a penalty. It was one-nil. Wasn't a penalty. Wasn't a penalty. Um, Emily Moyer Liverpool in the first Down of the season lost four-nil, but two of their goals were offside. No, but uh, you no,
2: you no, were no. abhorrently bad that day. <laughs> yeah, we they were, like, but they would have but, scored four but, anyway. In, no, know, I, I get your point, in, and, in, and in, no, that is that is a few goal things in. Yeah, you know, no, goal difference.
3: I mean, I'm not saying we would have, we would have gone on and won that game. What I'm saying is goal difference. You know, sometimes goal difference come. You know, is actually quite important. Um, and given the fact that we've only ever finished with a positive goal difference in Premier League Premier League history once, it says a lot.
0: And we're only three um, goals off it this year. Three. I know it Sounds funny, but. Only three it's probably goals the closest it's not, we've
3: ever got, I think. yeah,
0: but I think Apart that'll from be an, the time we
3: finished above it.
0: that would be another good yardstick against which to measure the team next year no, is no. if we can break that if we can finish with the positive goal difference that's, that's a,
2: a huge thing that Pellegrini wants to sort out is the, is the sort of defensive record which I think can only come with you know they've had their injuries at the back this season, and a further understanding if you can really keep that partnership of sort of Diop Balbuena together with. Two yeah. competent fullbacks, yeah. which I don't yeah. think. I think defensively, Mas- uh, I think defensively, Creswell is a competent fullback, but it's perhaps less what you'd like now in this sort of new era of fullbacks going forward. Masawaku's certainly not competent, and then you sort of have to chop and change between Fredericks and Zabaleta. But I yeah. think that's what's needed to, to improve next season. Yeah, no, I just think that VAR
3: will level the playing field for the entire Premier League. Not just for stand, the entire Premier League. So excited there. You whacked your microphone. VAR. Yeah. Justice VAR. for West Ham. Because yeah. every
1: time we've ever lost... Unless it involves Spurs. It's a gross injustice. Of course, you did win at the weekend. There was no bias against you. And how important was Mark Noble? Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and James Jones, and Will Pugh of West Ham World, and of course Jack Russell, Rosser, I should say, Jack, of the Evening Standard as well. And stalwart is the word that's normally applied to Mark Noble. Stalwart. Exceptional creative magician is generally not the term used, but against Watford, he looked very, very dangerous.
0: Well, as always, Johnny, I think we have to let James lead on any Mark Noble topics, given that he is in love with Given
3: he's Mark Noble's agent. <laughs> yeah. I'm gen- I am genuinely in love with him. Um, it wasn't just against Watford, though. The last five games of the season, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Spurs, he was brilliant. Spurs- he even tried a few flicks and tricks against Spurs. Yeah, I mean, he's getting more creative as With he gets older. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean, I know it's a cliche, but he is like a fine wine, he's getting better and better and you know, I'm not I'm under no illusion that he's gonna be even better next year. I genuinely I genuinely believe that, you know, probably this is probably the best we're gonna get out of him.
0: And he'll finally get the England cap, will not he, next season? Definitely not. <laughs>
3: like I mean I I'd love it. It it would it would make my life if I saw him turn out for England. It's I don't think happen. he will. He won't get called up for England. Not for
2: the Nations League champions.
3: No, De- no, exactly not. No, Declan Rice is going to be going to be there ahead of him, which is fine. We'll, ta- no, we'll have that. But I don't know. I just think that he deserves a lot more respect than what he gets, Mark Noble. Not just from opposing fans, but from West Ham fans as well. Because, okay, recently West Ham fans have been gushing over him. But, you know, in terms of... Um, Pre no, previous seasons and early on in the season, they go. Oh, his legs are gone. His legs are gone. But you know, he's been playing pretty well for a player whose legs got, went three or four years ago. And uh, I think you know, as a club captain, a West Ham fan, a player that's been playing for the club for 15 years now, coming up, coming close to 500 first team appearances, um, I think he deserves a lot more respect than probably that he gets at the moment.
0: I think f- you're touching it there. It's everything he does off the pitch as well. The fact yeah. is that he he is still good enough to be our one of our number one central midfielders. Declan Rice is obviously doing what he's doing. But I'd have Noble in the team over Obiang every week. Sanchez, unproven, he's injured coming back from that. We never know. And I think he was probably lined up as a bit of a Noble replacement, Sanchez.
2: But I'm not quite sure what he was lined up as, uh, Sanchez. Uh, th- <laughs> what, like 35 years yeah. old? No, but
0: we're, we're still, you know, you're still to see that. And I think he's still... Our in our top two central midfielders at the club period yeah. on the pitch yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. but it's everything else he does afterwards, he's always the one to front up the media, win or lose. It, you know, he he's he's guided Rice through. There's no denying what a massive impact he's had on Declan Rice all this season as well, which has been a massive season for him. He's been guiding him, encouraging him, and even though on occasion it's been him that Rice has been keeping out the team, he hasn't flinched at that at all, and he's been really encouraging and positive. It's just so much he does in and around the club. You were saying earlier, Jack, about how much he knows about that club having been there for such a long time. It's all that stuff he does away from what you see on Match of the Day every week as well as the fact that he's still one of the top two midfielders at the club, a team who's just finished 10th in the Premier League at 32 years Mm. of age.
2: He gets it, doesn't he? That's the the thing about him as as a club man. The one thing, he has had a terrific season and him and Rice have made you know, second half of the season when Pellegrini's sort of gone with this two in midfield, he's, he's made a very competent and very, very good part of that midfield. I think if you want to make that next step, which Pellegrini has been talking about since he got to the club, which is the plan, which is to get into Europe and not just to get there once, but to stay there, I think he needs to drop out of that. He's our preferred midfielder. Not for someone else at the club, but that's where you need the investment, really. i He's a fantastic person to have around the club. He's a fantastic person to have in a Premier League team. It's just whether he can do it across the season, which encompasses Europe too. So, do
1: you think potentially, as Mark Noble begins to age, if they do stick with him next season, perhaps with an element of sentimentality, Noble could actually be slowing West Ham down?
2: No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they'd be sticking with him with sentimentality either. He's a very good midfielder, and he's still got a range of passing which they do need in that side. I'd still have him in there over a fully fit Jack Wilshere and players like that. Do you not
3: think he'd be the first to go, guys? Like, I don't think I can have a positive impact on No, that certainly.
2: He's, he's that sort of character. He always wants to play, of course, as any professional does, but he's that sort of character that knows what's good for the team. Mm. He's also the sort of character that you can't afford to lose in that team, whether he's playing or not. Yeah. You see what happens at clubs when they hemorrhage leaders and, and tumble down. He's a very important character having that team, even if he is just playing, you know, 70% of the games through a season.
0: Can I just add as well, that uh, brace he scored at the weekend is the first time that Mark Noble scored a brace for West Ham since the 30th of April 2016. But at that stage, he scored two braces in a row.
2: So maybe the first game of next season.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So we've got to start him at the beginning of next year.
2: Was it? It's the first time he scored from open play since the last game of last season, wasn't it? When he scored that goal against Everton. I
0: think he he does love a penalty, to be fair. But it was just good to see him. He's he's still yeah. such an integral part of that team.
2: He's no, he's a fantastic player. I'm not saying for one second that he shouldn't feature next season. I just think if you do want to challenge for, because Leicester and Everton, where Everton are yet to be seen, because they're probably going to lose Gomez and they're probably going to lose Zuma. But Leicester are going to be a real force for that 6th, 7th spot next season. As a Wolves, again, you would expect. So to break into that, I just think you need someone a bit better than Martin mm-hmm. I think that's a fair point. Another player, of course, who
1: featured at the weekend and has been in and out of the team because of injury this year was Manuel Lenzini, who went into the summer in fantastic form, got that call up to Argentina's World Cup squad. Then, of course, cruelly got the terrible injury right beforehand how
3: good was it to see him back playing and back scoring well I mean we've seen him in and out the team ever since he came back maybe what six seven weeks ago maybe a little bit longer than that and um, the fans love him but it it was somewhat it it was nice to see him get his, his first goal for the club this season on now, almost a year to the day since he scored his last one, because he scored two on the last day of the season last year against Everton when we beat them three-one. And um, I think you know it, it's nice to see him back, it's nice to see him get a bit of confidence back because an ACL injury, you know, we, we've seen it before. Players get, you know, top players get ACL injuries, and then they sort of fall by the wayside a little bit, and their careers are sort of just tumble. But it's great to see him back we just got you know we just got to give him you know it'd be nice to get a full season out of him again because i think you know he's got great potential just hope that liverpool don't go on calling because they're always linked with him
1: they're always sniffing around of course his return and that 4-1 win were a great way to end the season but it's been a season full of great moments and coming up we'll be asking which the real highlights were this is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and it's time for our season review where we go through the highs, the lows, the best players, the worst players and of course the best celebrating referees. Let's start off with West Ham's high point. James, we'll kick off with you. What is the all-time greatest from these
3: 38 games? Uh, I think there's got to be one isn't there and that's winning at Tottenham's No Gaff. So it's superb! I think that that is the high, um, because everyone, I mean, everyone thought they weren't going to play at that that ground this season because of all the delays and stuff like that. And then it, it was just wonderful and just poetic that we were the first team to go there, not just to go there and beat them, but the first team to score there as well. I think it was that's West Ham's high point. Um, a lot of our Tottenham fans will say that it was our cup final. Um, you know, they've got are they another...
1: justified in saying that, James? Because no, I with don't. all due respect, I mean, you've talked that... about it quite a lot since. You've identified it as your high point of the whole year. Yeah. It clearly is quite an important one for West but Ham because,
3: you it is because, OK, we we beat Arsenal at London Stadium. It's, it's always nice beating Arsenal. But our, our main rivalry is with Tottenham. Tottenham fans won't admit it, but they don't really like us you know, a lot as well.
2: But they're a different club now as well. They where are where that all club. came from... And you know the the sort of ridicule over it being West Ham's cup final. When that started, they were a very different club, and they weren't the club they are now. In that they are consistently in the top four of the Premier League. They're now in the Champions League final. Mm. You know they're a big club. They're a top six club, top four club that you know shouldn't be losing at home to West Ham. With all due respect, and that I think that is justified as. Being a high point of anyone's season, going there is, to this yeah. palatial new yeah. home, regardless of a rivalry, to be the first team to score there, first team to win there, is going to be a high point of everyone's season. And then when you mix in that rivalry, it, it makes it even more special. So I think yeah. I think the ridicule there is a bit way less. I think I it's think just
0: I'm... an easy stick to beat us back with, isn't it? Sorry, James. Go on.
3: No, no, I am just kind of before then. I mean, even before then, you know, you could have said the home win against United. You could have said the home win, the home win against the, uh, Arsenal. Um, but you know, you go and do that. You go and you, you you put your name in history in terms of the first team to to win at that that shiny new ground they've got. You know, the brand new cheese factory, and you know, oh, there's no <laughs> cheese room. There's no cheese room. Well, relatively. we're always going to call it a cheese they room. Keep, they
2: keep they? running out of cheese in the press um, room. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a bugbear. <laughs> How
3: much of it are you eating
2: personally? Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. It goes before you get
3: there. But we, you know, now now we've we've got our name in history. You know, we're we're going to continue that same as the first team to win at the Emirates. You know, so it's nice to have that, and that is for me is the highlight of the season. What was your
0: highlight, Will? Um, same, yeah, definitely yeah. the same. And but it's it, not a cup final, No, but it, No, but it is, because, and it really winds me up. So so it's it, not. No, but the thing is, right. It's not a cup
3: final. Every time. It's not, it's a league game.
0: Every time my Tottenham friends have come to me since that game, giving, oh, it's your cup final, they're sneering it at me, which means they're annoyed yeah. about it in the first yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and one of them, I've got one Tottenham fan who is a sensible, reasonable, level-headed Person out, outside of that, where did Vermont. you find him? I know it was strange. His dad supports West Ham, so I think oh, he's got okay. a bit of that. And yeah, I talked to him about it, and he says, "Yeah, he said, oh, I was gutted that it was you." He said, "Of all the teams like right, in the world, I was gutted." But if all my you, other if mates you go was, on Twitter,
3: they all say the same thing as well: "Gutted it was them."
0: You remember the the show we did afterwards? They would yeah. they hated it. But the thing I say to people is when they sneer at us like that, oh, it's your cup final. It's like, well, right. If you put yourself in my shoes, what else am I going to get excited about this season? We crashed out the FA Cup to win Isn't that their point, Will? No, but, that, but uh, what what am I as a West Ham fan? What do you expect me to get that no. excited when we beat Bournemouth or for, Brighton for me, or Southampton?
3: For me, <laughs> for me, it's an, it's an arrogant response. You know, when they were mid-table, like us, we still were excited that we beat them because they were a London club. You know.
0: We, we have And vice versa, may it, I add.
3: It's not as if we've just suddenly decided that we don't like Tottenham anymore because they're in the top four. We've never liked Tottenham. We never liked Tottenham when when they were mid-table. Never liked Tottenham when they were below us in the table. We, we've never liked Tottenham. That That's it. So for them to sort of, sort of become a top four team and go, oh, now it's your cup final. It's a very arrogant response to what has been a very hurtful moment for them because they've lost to one of their London rivals, at their brand spanking new cheese factory, and it, it's awful for them. It is genuinely awful for them, and they don't like it. Oh, it's, just, it's, it's your cup final. Well, you know, tough.
0: And they're only copying taunts from the biggest club in North London anyway, Arsenal, which they've been yeah. saying to them for no, years. No, you're wrong, mate.
3: We're the biggest club in North London because we, you know, we, we run North London now.
0: I forgot that, James. Is that
1: that you two individually or West Ham as a club? West Ham. I don't think
0: us two individually would get very far, to be honest. Jack's like, what is going
1: on? Yeah, this is a bit. (laughs) I'll just stay out of that bit. (laughs) I I think we'll all stay out of it. We're going to take a break. We're going to let these two calm down. And coming up, best player, worst player signing of the season. Remember, you can get in touch with yours on 0208 7020 558 or at Radio on Twitter. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Don't worry, gents, this is my cup final. This show, once a week, Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. I take it immensely seriously. And with that in mind, it's time to get into the specifics of West Ham's players this season. We'll start with best. We'll start positive. For you, James, who was the star man above all others?
3: I mean... There are quite a few that you could say because I mean some of the signings that we made have have really you know sort of endeared themselves to the fans and had a really strong season. But for me, I think it's got to be Issa Diop. Um, You know, a lot of people say Fabianski, uh, a lot of people say Balbuena, Anderson, but I think Issa Diop, given that you know he came with a a little bit of reputation, you know, with a a relatively you know you know quite a big price tag for his age. I think it was twenty. 22 million quid, 20 years old. But he's come in, he's been solid. He's only had one... I think he's only missed one or two games out of injury. Um, no, I, I think he's been absolutely superb and I think we'll be very, very lucky to keep hold of him beyond next season. I think he's been, it's just been a wonderful signing.
2: He's been played within an inch of his life as well, hasn't he? When yeah. he was injured.
3: Yeah. And he, he had a tough start. I mean, but on, his, on his debut against Arsenal, he scored an own goal earlier in the season. And it was like, oh no, what have we got here? And, but then he's just... He's grown, and I think you know. I think we spoke to uh, Sam Incaso on on the show, like r- like right at the beginning of the season um, when we beat Wimbledon in the League Cup.
2: The, you know, there was a moment in that game, yeah, and I and was sat next to Sam, and we'd done an interview with James Hansen, the Wimbledon striker, the day before. College Giuseppe did it, and he was like, "I'm going to rough up some of these new continental signings." And about twenty minutes in, he gave Diop an elbow. And that just seemed to click, switch, I'm right, I'm in and out. And Diop was phenomenal from that minute onwards. And he scored, I think, as well in that game. Yeah, he? he
3: did. Yeah, and I, I think that, that was the point I was going to make. Because you know, we, we spoke to, to Sam on this show like, earlier on in the season after that game. And he said it was that moment where he kind of kicked Issy up into life. Uh, yeah. And, you know, ever since then, he's been wonderful. You know, and that, that that run that he had against Spurs in that game where, you know, it looked like he was He should was have gonna, put it in the bottom corner. He should have put it in the bottom corner. And it, it, he ran out of steam. And, you know, it kind of summed up his season in that, you know, he's been absolutely wonderful. And, you know, the fans already love him. And I think for me, he he got a
2: huge praise for Mourinho as well, didn't he? Yeah,
3: yeah. And I think he's, he's been my player of the season.
0: What I found interesting with Diop, I think player of the season is probably a little bit strong. But what I found interesting with him is... You see a different man when he's got Balbuena next to him to Ogbonna. I've thought a couple of the times this season when he's played alongside Ogbonna, he's looked a little bit exposed.
1: Huddersfield, they were wobbly. and It wasn't that either of them were performing badly individually. They didn't seem to know where each other were.
0: I think that as a part, the Balbuena next to him, that dynamic just works. It's worked from pretty much the moment they stepped on the pitch together, which rarely happens. And... He's, he he plays along uh, alongside Ogbonna, and I just don't feel quite as quite as assured with him as an individual, but then both as a pair. And I think, but I really like the idea of the Diop Buena partnership being our being our like, mainstay going forward.
1: So, well, if you're saying that Diop isn't the player of the season, then who is?
0: I'll be honest; it's difficult not to say Fabianski. But James will love this and I, d- I do think it's Mark Noble and I am looking a bit further than... Noble for England. <clears throat> I am looking a bit further than just on the pitch there and it's kind of the same points I was making earlier on. I just think what he's done this season, it's been another transitional campaign, which is a phrase thrown around football so often. But we've had a transitional campaign where it's not, it's not being used as an excuse We've had a transitional campaign and still finished top half. We've had a transitional campaign and still finished higher than we did last season, got more points, got more wins, conceded less goals, scored more goals. I think all of these things are good. And I think, Mark Noble is the linchpin of that football club on and off the pitch. And when he's played this year, he's been fantastic. He's been an integral part of a lot of our decent results. He hasn't had an absolutely shambolic game that I can remember, whereas in seasons gone past, he has. There have been times where you go, oh, what are you doing, Mark? Come on, leave it out. And I just think this year, on and off the pitch, his contribution, if you look aside from Fabianski, I think for me without Mark Noble this year we don't do quite as well as I think we have done Jack
2: I think I I certainly wouldn't give it to M- Mark Noble has been fantastic <laughs> I certainly wouldn't give it to him Fabianski has also been fantastic and, and was great in those early games as well as throughout the season I think there's only been one mistake that I can remember but I think Declan Rice given some of the performance he's put in and some of the stuff he's had to put up with this season has just been utterly phenomenal I mean he he was dropped after the Liverpool game not just from the side he was subbed at half time in the Liverpool game on the first day of the season and then was dropped from the squad entirely and was left he spoke to one of my colleagues after he won London Young Football of the Year or Young London Football of the Year I think saying that he didn't think he was good enough to play in the Premier League anymore so he's been through that initially Mm. and then Pellegrini's had the faith to stick him back in midfield which is something Moy's always wanted to do was to move him into midfield and he's had the patience and the, the confidence to put that behind him. And then you get the contract situation, which he will instantly have. And, he, he, you know, he's, he's a bloke that looks at social media a lot and he's always on there. And will get a lot of comments about his Tweet contract. Tweets carefully and, as well. Yes. But, <laughs> I mean, there, there's that. But you get that and then you get the not just the talk around what was going on with England and Ireland, but the, the stick he would have got as well. Not just from people on Twitter, but notably there were people like Jason McAteer coming out and being like, Well he's a disgrace and you know, he's still only young and he's still not yet made a decision basically. So to go through all that and and the people that you speak to behind the scenes hold him up as a real sort of icon of, you know, he's got the bang on mentality of what you need to be to be a professional footballer. And he goes back to the academy and shows that link and, and speaks to them and, you know, proves that there is a pathway to get through. And he just pushes everything to one side. He is the prime example of what they want coming through their academy and and being in their first team. And he has managed to to make that role their own. And and he's changed games on his own and kept West Ham in games on his own against some big clubs as well this season. Mm, He's a man with a very bright future. But we've had the praise.
1: We've had the love in. It's time to get nasty, gentlemen, because who was your worst player?
3: Who was your flop of the season? I mean, it's difficult because... You know all the players that have had you know consistent stints in the first team have, have, have played pretty well. Um, I think Lucas Perez is, is up there. I know I've sort of sung his praises a little bit in recent weeks, and that you know potentially he could be a good option off the bench. You know in future seasons, um, you know I mean, I mean there's plenty of them. I think you know you look at Lucas Perez, I think Hernandez hasn't been as good as everyone says it is. I know Jack, you said to me earlier that I, I, I
2: think he's done what has been asked of him. Well, you know, Pellegrini, I so, Pellegrini I sees a role for him and I think he's done that. There are games certainly where he could have been better but there are games where the system he's been played in yeah. just haven't, you know, he's been left one up on his own with five in midfield yeah. and he's not a man to run around and do the work. He's, he's a very good finisher but outside of that. So you need a system to suit that. But it, it is tough to pick a worse player of the season.
3: It, it is a strange one because, you know, a lot of fans will go, oh, Carlos Sanchez. Well, you know, it's not... Not really, can not fair because you know he's, he's, he's had an injury all season. Um, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, Jack Wilshire. Well, again, we all knew what we were getting with Jack well, Wilshire. So,
2: four uh, started four games, I think, I think? yeah. I
3: think he's played nine games and nine appearances. Um, but in those, he's had three assists. So, I mean, he could be you know good if I mean, Will, I know you're shaking your head, but you know, he could be okay if he stays fit. That's a massive if. I don't see him staying fit. So, but it's very difficult again for someone that's been injured for large parts of the season to go. Oh, that was the worst pair of the season. It's very difficult to, to call it because there's not been no one consistently playing for the football team all season that's been been consistently poor.
0: But then you'd hope that anyway, wouldn't you? But I have got one. I've got one that sort of stands out a little bit. Well, and I think, unfortunately, I think it's Big Andy. I think he... But he's been injured as well, hasn't he? He hasn't played a lot, but then... He's not seen him for four years. First of all, but you're not going to have... A team that finishes 10th, you're not going to have a player playing regularly, as you put it, poorly every week, are you? You're not going to have someone getting in the team week in, week out if they're not playing well. But I just think... I mean, he he has turned out in a shirt a few times this year. And I think even there was that period he went through, wasn't there, when he was playing for a deal. And from where I was sitting, he certainly wasn't playing for a deal. And... I just think it is difficult because I don't think we've had a bad season and there's no one, unlike previous seasons, that stands out where you go, oh, he's been atrocious, Gokhan, Tore, Sofiane, Fagouli, Kepa Blanco, those sort of players. We haven't had one of those wait. this
3: year where you Ke- can't... Wait, Blanco,
0: what a player. <laughs> <laughs> but you, we haven't had one of those this year where you can't wait to get that person out of the football club. But,
2: but if you put it in that context, and this is one that I sort of thought about literally the last couple of minutes, but... I'd probably give it to Mark Arnautovic.
0: No, but you can't. Before Christmas, he was outstanding.
4: But but no, then I, you get, you know, your point.
2: He, he gets one move that doesn't come to fruition and just stops turning up for the for, second half for, of the season. For
0: the worst player of the season award. Yeah. You can't, that's just, you can't I can't think that.
2: of anyone else who's more desert, you know.
0: No, but for someone who's played so well for so long before Christmas, you can't... Six months. Can, it's not long,
2: it is well, it's it? half a season, is it? It's it's not long. Marko
1: Arnautovic is West Ham's top scorer this season. Yeah? Are yeah. you honestly going to suggest he's been their worst Just, player? Right, not,
2: not their worst player, because the worst players would be the ones that have played two or three times and got injured. But you can't give it to them because they've not had a chance. He's been fit for the large part of the entirety of the season. Had a good first half of the season. And then from there has been linked away, not get his move away. And albeit, you know, there were other factors dictating why he wanted to move and things like that. But he's not been able to come back and show the sort of mature mentality to be like, no, do you know what? I'll crack on and make sure that when I do leave, they get even more money for me and I get an even bigger contract. There's been no attitude towards that. The last few weeks, Jack, he's been clicking back into gear. Slowly, but, you know, it's getting near the transfer window, isn't it? (laughs) That, that, That was going to be my
3: point in that, you know... I, I do see your point in that. and no, get, Maybe not I, worst I player, but get, most this, disappointing. Well, I get yeah, it. Because, that's because like I, mean, I mean, he played well up until Christmas, got linked to China, got offered, you know, a ridiculous amount of money to go over there. And I don't blame him for wanting to go over there. And I've said that before over Christmas. I don't blame him for wanting it. But it was the way he dealt with it. Well, and, and, then, the way, and the way, it when then the it way, didn't happen. It was the way that he dealt with it afterwards as well. It was like, okay, it didn't happen. Okay, let's get my head down and go. No, it took him, it took him five months to, to get going. And then he scores... What three in the last two games? Because you know, because the transfer window is on its, on its way, you know, it's on its way around again. No, but I get it. I m- do get it.
1: Most selfish player, most arrogant player, most disappointing player is not the same as worst player. And I don't think you can argue. He has
3: been poor on a number of occasions, particularly after Christmas. But he's is your there, top scorer, James. But, but the, the, the first, he wasn't for four months. But first first he is now.
2: <laughs> we're, we're looking back on the exactly. end of the season. He's your <laughs> top scorer. Does, does that not say more about the rest of the squad though?
3: Quite
1: possibly, but I don't think that your star man going forward, and he has been that over the course of the season. I'd say could Anderson be your worst player. Okay, but Anderson's output hasn't been superior. You can spin it the other way and go, well, Felipe Anderson has been up for playing all season. Have they not and scored? Still has got one fewer
2: goal. Have they not scored the most amount of goals across all competitions between them? Alves has the got way?
1: eleven. Anderson's got ten. Is that just Anderson's got eleven? Has
0: he all, all comps in all comps? But but just just a. F- flick it back while Johnny checks that Andy Carroll 14 appearances is one goal in the FA Cup 12 yeah. Premier League appearances I was there at that game. zero goals
3: it was a funny it was a weird game it that was, one he
2: was atrocious in that game it, he yeah because I go. was like
3: oh, I think about two minutes before he scored he got the ball he ran, he ran round the keeper and then ran into the side netting yeah, no, with, was, with it, the ball and then scored a minute later And was like, well, I, oh, I had brilliant.
2: 500 words written on why that was his last game for West Ham and then he scored
3: 500 words I mean you could have said one word and it was rubbish
1: Well that settles it doesn't it Andy Carroll The most annoying West Ham player of the season But coming up Who was your unsung hero?
4: This is Love Sport
1: You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Will Pugh and James Jones of West Ham World. We're also joined by Jack Rosser of the Evening Standard in the studio. We've had a good scrap here on the West Ham Fan Show, which is what we like, and I'm interested to see, gents, whether you're going to agree on my next question, which is I need you to nominate someone for the following category. Who has been West Ham's unsung hero this season? If you say Mark Noble, I'm going to blind myself.
0: (laughs) Robert Snodgrass, for me, no-brainer. I think he's... I, I think this season, fans have actually started to notice him a bit more, to be fair. He was one of those... He was one of those figures of mirth at the club a little bit, wasn't he? Where everyone kind of wanted him to do well and they'd laugh and he was on the team sheet and he was like, oh, go on, Snoddy. But I think this season he's actually been outstanding.
3: I felt a bit sorry for him when he arrived at the club two years ago because he re- he was there to replace Dimitri Payet. Well, it wasn't.
2: Well, he, he was given the, the sort of spiel when he arrived, as well as, you know, soldiers, you know, you're going to come in and be this, you know, you're getting the club you deserve now. You've done all this in the Premier League. Bilic gave him a big, you know, where do you want to play? Where do you think you're going to be the most effective? And I can't remember which way round it was, but he either said, I want to play on the left. That's where I'm the best. And then Bilic called him up to go on, and he went, right, go on on the right, mate. Either way round. And then he was just stuck there and couldn't do anything. And then has had a torrid time being shipped out to Villa and all the comments that have come from chairman and, and, and co-chairmen and CEOs and everything mm. about... How, badly, how bad that transfer was.
1: Well, he, of course, personally blamed motorway service stations on elements of his form, didn't he? Where he dropped off, had perhaps put on a little bit of timber, and he said, well, listen, I'm driving a lot, so I keep eating rubbish. Encouraging for him to come back from that as well, because he's looking very lean, very athletic,
2: and every bit the Premier League footballer. But Pellegrini told him he was too fat. Genuinely, he told me he was too fat. But in in the summer, we also, we, we were hearing
3: rumours that uh, and, and words out of the club that Pellegrini, although he did say that, but Pellegrini quite liked the look of it. He's a huge fan of him because he likes and, that sort of player. Yeah, and you know, and there, there was a there was a picture of um, Pellegrini. Of, it was from the, I think Pellegrini was meeting the players for the first time, and there was uh, Pellegrini looking on to a group of players, and there was Snodgrass having a, having a laugh at it and, it, and it was like, and it looked like Pellegrini was looking at Snodgrass with a bit of a loving look on him. <laughs> You're only, reading a lot into that, and it'd it, it only been about three days. And everyone on Twitter was like, "He's oh not my been God. to Burger King oh in a week." Pellegrini loves snog. But, but he's someone no that, one expected it to to turn into the way it did. In that, you know, he's getting starts. You know, he's, he's, he's played 35 he,
2: games. He's, he's desperate to prove himself to that fan base because he's not only, you know, had the sort of time he's gone through of being pushed out on loan and and almost being the scapegoat for how bad things got. A lot was put on his shoulders, but he's gone away. And before he'd been pushed out on loan, he'd already moved all his family down. And they they bought a house, been put into schools around there. So you have that as well. He's desperate to make a fist of it at West Ham and, and, and to turn it into an, a positive experience. And this season has gone a really long way towards doing that. We are, of
1: course, underway in tonight's championship second-leg semi-final playoff as well. It's Leeds nil, Derby nil at Ellen Road on the night. Important to remember that Leeds 1-0 up on aggregate from that first leg. And we will have updates for you from that game throughout the show this evening. Will, I'm interested, is your unsung player for West Ham the same as James is, or are you going for a different option?
0: That was my one.
1: That was yours, James. I
3: apologize. Who are you going for? I can't disagree with Snoddy. I think he has been been brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I genuinely—I mean, I know I was raving about Perez, but no, I can't—I can't pick Perez now. <laughs> um, no, I think it has to be Snoddy because you know, as I said before, you know, he, he arrived at the club and you know we just sold Payet. He's—he's been brought in. Everyone thinks, oh, he's the Pirates replacement. How can he bring him in? And uh, it cut him on the back of us, giving that sort of derisory three million pound bid than it, and then we ended up signing it for ten, and it was all a little bit weird. But two years down the line, he's shown a lot of commitment um you know he key he, he loves playing for us because you know he, he's shown a lot of commitment to the whole you know I and fund and he's got really involved in that side of the club and with the fans and and everything else and and then on the pitch oh, I've never seen him give anything less than hundred percent and I know that sounds like a cliche, but I genuinely haven't you know even during the games that we've been well beaten or we've played really poorly, he's always giving everything. And that's all we asked for. And Issa Diop said in an interview recently, you know, the fans, you know, we don't want, we don't necessarily want the best players in the world. We just want players that give 110%. And if if there's a player in that squad that always gives 110%, it's him. So I think it deserves a lot more credit. And in terms of performances
1: as well, not just player performances, but team performances as a whole, What's been the highlight? What was the best game of the season to be a West Ham fan? And I'm ruling out your cup final. I'm talking about performances here. It's all right. We haven't made a cup final
3: this year.
0: (laughs) I'm not just saying it just because Jack's in the studio either, but I was asked this question a few of these categories earlier on in the season. And I genuinely do think Southampton away... When it was, a, I think we drubbed you two one, didn't we?
3: I've got to say that that look of <laughs> sheer evilness was like, how dare you?
0: No, but this—I and I swear to you, I, I can prove it on my uh, on my screen. That but I had before, answered then. this question before. And uh, Philippe Anderson did run the show then. I agree, but I just think the whole game—it it just seemed to come together. It was—we were sort of—it was off the back of a little bit of a disappointing home defeat to Watford. Anderson was used to his full potential for the first time and I think the the team played in a way that meant he could come to like come to the fore as well. It was in the middle of a packed Christmas period. It's a bit of a strange time for the club and I just I thought that before I knew you were coming, Jack, I promise.
2: <laughs> yeah um, I, I was there, it was horrible. Um but no from a professional base, yeah, it was a good performance and and players like Rice did give the platform um For Anderson, two things. I think one performance that was really quite important, and I think it might, was it one of the first results against the Big Six, was the 0 0 at home to Chelsea. Mm. When you've got, and I remember reading after the game, Chelsea fans waxing lyrical that Jorginho had strung 100 and something passes together. It's a record, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he'd done that is probably testament to the way West Ham defended because he couldn't find one through. Mm. He was. You know, I know it's the cliche about Jorginho, I think he's actually quite a good player, but he was forced into playing so many short passes left and right that it, he didn't really have too much of an effect on the game, actually. You know, you, I remember sitting down after the game looking on Twitter and everyone going mad about him and just thinking, yeah, actually, I didn't notice him at all. He strung 100 odd passes together, but he didn't have any impact on the game. And I think that's a testament to the way that West Ham played as a team. And it wasn't too long after that start to the season that had been so poor. And to be able to do that, and to get a point and then to follow it up I can't remember how it was followed up but not too long after was the result against Manchester United mm. and the result against Arsenal they all came in quite quick succession um, that was quite an important result in having the trust that Pellegrini always talks about the trust and the faith in his, his way of playing
3: I think for me it's got to be our first first win of the season the Everton the, the win at Everton because you know we're, we're going in on the back of you know four Straight defeats. Everyone, you know, suddenly Pellegrini's future's been questioned already after four games. You know? That was I was in that press conference. That was hilarious. He you know, did not take that well. Yeah, of course. I, I mean I don't don't you know, I'm not surprised either. And, you know, we conceded what twelve goals or fifteen goals wherever it was, and everyone's going, Oh, West Ham are gonna go down this year, it's gonna be hilarious and, and we we rocked up at Everton away. in a ground that notoriously we don't do very well in, you know, we've got a really poor record at Goodison Park. Uh, Pellegrini changed it, and we rocked up there, and you know it was a really—I mean, yeah—Everton weren't great, but it was a really good team performance, and gone there one three one. Yarmolenko really showed up, and it was a shame that you know he got injured only a few games later. But that was the beginning of the season because then we went—you know—got a great result against Chelsea, beat Man United at home, uh, and then that kind of provided the platform for for what turned out to be an OK season. Um, at a ground where you know we don't normally get results
0: yep
1: there were moments that impressed this year for West Ham and the focus now is of course on next year who'll stay who'll go and who could come into the club don't go anywhere this is love sport you are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and James Jones of West Ham World is taking a selfie whilst live on air this truly is modern broadcasting gentlemen Welcome to the future. And it could be a case of welcome to the future for one of the teams currently in action in the Championship. Leeds nil, Derby nil, currently on the night. Important to remember Leeds 1-0 up from the first leg of their Championship playoff semi-final. Of course, we saw Villa reach the playoff final last night. Perhaps a little bit fortunate, squeaking past West Brom on penalties. How do you see it going tonight? And overall, who do you think will go up and who would
3: you like to go up? I don't I don't mind that either either of these two teams Leeds or Derby I think they're two big clubs that both should still be in the Premier League. I think Derby um,
1: deserve to be in the Premier League. Do you remember um, how it went last time?
0: Yeah. yeah. Roberto Solano free kick 5-0 away. What a game that was.
3: Think Nobby yes, yeah. yeah. Now I think, you know, um I, I think Leeds will probably be better in the Premier League next year. I think they stand around a little bit better than Frankland Lampard's Derby. Um but both sides should be in the Premier League. I think, particularly Leeds. I think Leeds are a huge. You, you know country. how
2: it works. So only one of them can go up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't really decide. I mean, I, I'm completely indifferent to to either side. I mean, if anything, I prefer Derby because I'm I'm not a massive fan of Leeds. From no, a, from a purely selfish me, view, Villa's a
2: shorter trip, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and I've got Villa in my family. Obviously, current and blue blood and, and all that, but my, my, my grandpa's a, a, a Villa fan so and a Liverpool fan. <laughs>
2: That's a Liverpool
3: there. Yeah. No, he's a Villa fan. <laughs> You're so, the Liverpool fan. Like, yeah, I am the Liverpool yeah, yeah. fan, yeah. So, yeah, I've got Villa in the family, so I want Villa to go up naturally, but, you know... I don't really care out
2: of it either three it's of them. It's easier really. to get back from Villa Park than the other two. That, really that's care. the only just factor. For you're you just can. thinking
3: as a, of a journalist that may be asked to go to one of those grounds. Yep, don't have to go to Cardiff point. next season. <laughs> Results. Well, what, what
2: about you?
0: <laughs> oh, massively, I want Leeds to go up. Yeah, I think they're they're just a far bigger club. I think they'll bring more to the Premier League. I, I, I think, think
2: Bielsa in the Premier League would be absolutely outstanding. Absolutely, yeah. Good value, yeah. I think well, imagine, again as a journalist. But imagine, imagine him trying easy. to ride on on a Solskjaer. He'd just have him under his boot immediately.
0: But not just that, I think the the fans as well, you've got to think of that. I, I think of it as a as a game going fan as well. Seeing the away end absolutely packed with Leeds fans and the atmosphere will be brilliant it's another great away ground to go to I just think they bring so much more to the spectacle and the the product that is the Premier League than Derby County I just think they're in that sort of West Brom sort of league aren't they where no one really cares whether they go up or down or what they do I
3: think from a Leeds perspective I think most people just want them to go up just because of Bielsa like they because, they because are a great an, fan base, though, and because it's because a nice an stadium, an stadium yeah, to go yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, but I think is the, the big one. Yeah, everyone wants to see Bielsa in the fantastic. Premier League. And, you know, that's absolutely fair enough because he's, he's box office, isn't he? But I don't know. I think I, I don't really care either way. We've
1: got a bit of handbags uh, on the pitch at the moment, and it seems to me that Derby's Lawrence might be quite lucky to still be on the pitch. I'm not a professional lip reader, but what I thought he said to the referee after he was given a yellow card might have possibly warranted a second one. Uh, but of course, I don't know for sure what he said. There are yellow cards flying around. As I say a little bit of a scuffle. Pablo Hernandez has just been booked for his trouble. There's a push off the ball on Hernandez actually. And everyone's getting a little bit so heated. He's fair Hernandez has is... he's made the most of he's it. bought that, I mean. Harry Harry Wilson's come over, got involved. There are hands being laid on the ref by a couple of people. All very spicy. We can see, of course, that they really do care. Scott Malone quite lucky to stay on the pitch, having, of course, shoved Hernandez. We've heard who you want to go up. Who do you think
3: will do it? Villa. I think Villa. The form team.
0: Yeah, I would say the same. I would say the same. It's, it seems like one of them years, a bit like the year we went up, where the Blackpool year, where I think that the same thing will happen. A form will shine through.
2: Leeds, why? I just think they've got a bit more about them. You know, the the, the sort of underhanded side to to pull themselves through in a, in a one-off game.
3: It, it does not really like, Villa. Remind me a little bit of when. We played uh, it was before we went up the Blackpool year, so what, maybe six years earlier, where we lost to Palace in that playoff final. Neil Shipley winner.
4: Heartbreaker.
3: Heartbreaker. And then the following year, we got back to the final. We went up, we beat Preston. Um, and it kind of reminds me of Villa, Villa have done the same thing back to back playoff finals. They lost the first one 1 0. And I just think that they'll go and do it. They've got that experience of playing in, in the playoff final. And I've said that about Liverpool in the Champions League final against Spurs. they've got that experience. Uh, and I think they'll go and do it. doesn't matter who they play. Encouraging stuff to be a Villa fan. Of course, not
1: encouraging times if they don't go up. Rumours of their financial difficulties if they don't find themselves in the Premier League. And also suggestions that Jack Grealish would finally leave the club. Do you think it's a case of now or never for Villa?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I think they've got the resources primarily, which is such a huge thing for for that sort of level, isn't it? They're, they're always going to be in that question and in and around that. They're not going to drop out the playoffs. like They're not going to do a Bolton or a, or a Blackburn or any of those other big-name former Premier League teams you see in the lower echelons of the Championship. They're just too big for that, aren't they? In the short term, certainly. I think they're always going to be in that question for the next few years and it feels like it would be only a matter of time. Rather, it's more of a when rather than if for Villa coming back to the league, I think.
1: Well, only time will tell. We'll have updates for you throughout the show of this game. It's Leeds nil, Derby nil at Ellen Road. Leeds, of course, 1-0 up after that first leg win against Derby. Frank Lampard's side, of course, hoping to complete a comeback, win a place in that playoff final and eventually win a place back in the Premier League, where James Jones is suggesting both of these sides belong. Stay with us here at the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio, because coming up, it's time to turn our attentions to West Ham's summer. What do we expect to happen? What do we hope to happen? Who's staying? Who's going? And why, oh, why would anyone sign Danny Welbeck? This is Love Sport. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and there has been a massive goal in the Championship Playoff Semi-Final. It's Leeds 1, Derby 0 at Ellen Road. The Leeds side now leading 2-0 on aggregate. It came from a set player. Free kick whipped in to the back post. It's terrible defending. Very, very unlucky. The ball bounces, strikes the post, bounces back And is turned home into an empty net. A hard one to take if you're a Derby fan. They have now got work to do. They've still got an hour or so to play. Over an hour in fact. But two goals to come back from. Now updates for you throughout the show. Turning our attentions back to West Ham. It's a big summer coming up. Do you think it will be as big as last summer? because we saw huge amounts of money spent, vast numbers of players coming into the club, yeah. and perhaps that might have played a part in destabilising the side ahead of that poor start to the season. Do you think Pellegrini will be a bit more measured this time around?
3: I think, let's put it right, regardless whether he wants to be measured or not, I think it all, de- it all depends on whether David Sullivan's wouldn't have given the money. Um, but with all that said and done, I think, you know we're we're at a stage where the the big investment that was needed was done last summer. I think the investment that he did ninety percent of it was was very good. The spine of the team is there. I think you know we're going to lose a lot of players because they're out of contracts and you know, it'll free up a lot of the wage bill. But I don't think a great deal of investment is needed this summer in terms of, sort of huge spending. I think it's all about just you know just adding to what was a huge summer last year. Just with important important you know squad players. I think the first teams there. Um, I think the first elevens there. Maybe give or take one or two players. But I think you know more often than not, you know we we've got you know a good squad there. We just need to replace the likes of you know Carroll who's left. You know Hernandez who probably might leave.
1: So you're only looking at fine tuning. Of the people who could be going out the door, who's definitely
3: heading for the exit? Well, we know about Carol
0: um looks kn- on his way we out We know
3: that you know, I think I think we're expecting' Obiang. Adrian's on his way out, so uh, but this, i am th- pretty sure Nathan Trott might come in as a as a backup uh to Fabianski, which I think you know is about time because I think Nathan Trott's been waiting a while um for that chance, so you know, I think other than that, you know, it's it's touch and go. No one, one of,
2: one of Perez or Hernandez, really, isn't it? Yeah. And, and on we... that, you would imagine it's going to be Hernandez because he's on the bigger. bigger yeah. Wage.
3: And then you know, the big question mark is obviously uh, Anautovich, but you know, some of the you know some of the whispers coming out is that he actually might stay afterwards.
2: Well, everyone's sort of slowly rowing back on on him, aren't they? You know, at the end of January, even well, even sort of March, 8th, start early April, it was he's definitely going. Mm. That that was it. That's everything you you were hearing. Even after he signed the contracts, yeah. So, well, that that was early January, wasn't it? That he yeah. signed, and uh, no, late January, sorry, that he signed yeah. the contract, and that was everyone. Pellegrini yeah. didn't know about that in, in, until we knew about that. Really,
0: you know, who's an interesting one. Is Winston Reed? I haven't seen the man for about <laughs> five hundred years. Anyway, Club. I don't I don't know how many appearances he's made this season. But he hasn't made any. I don't think he's no. He, yeah, hasn't, he hasn't shown up once. He hasn't played since.
3: But you He does not play for like 15 months or something like that. But you Crazy. know what
0: you normally hear with, there's a, there'll be a few little media snippets, the club will pump out some content about uh, Winston Reid on it's the road recovery, to recovery, yeah. etc. There hasn't been a shred of that. He's been really quiet on social media as well. He used to post a bit on Instagram every now and then, even if it was just stuff of his family. I think I saw something the other day, but before then I haven't seen anything from him for a while. That is a really intriguing situation. I don't know if you can shine any light on that, Jack. But I, I mean, no, he, I thing. mean, he's
2: still he's still one that the manager mentions whenever you speak to him. You know, you even if you're just asking for an injury update, he will list him, and he's not been forgotten. Um, but I, oh, what is he now? Th- Thirty-two, I would 32, suggest. I, I that's yeah. is, he that old, is he that old? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but, but he's not young, is he? He's not someone that you, you've got he's this not bur- a you no, have, you've got man. this burgeoning new partnership that if you can keep hold of Isidi up, you'd want him to be your captain maybe in a few years because of the sort of character he is. Balbuena has coming as the more experienced sort of elder, or not elder statesman, but, but the older presence in that defence. You don't really need him. You've got Declan Rice that can drop back in there if needed. It, it's really, you know... If if Reed is fit, I'm not sure when his contract runs to either. I
3: think he's got a year after this one. I think.
2: So you'd expect he would maybe sell that year. It might be too because he signed get, that big six-year deal, didn't he? Get a couple of appearances if he can, and and maybe say goodbye. But he's he's not one really that I believe to be in the, the long-term plans.
1: Let's nail down on this Arnautovic situation then. Do we think the fans are coming back round to him because his performances have improved at the back end of the season? Or do you think the fans started to be a bit more lenient with him and the performances have picked up as a result?
0: I think my opinion was quite a lot different to James's, I think. Whereas I looked at it from a far more pragmatic fashion in terms of in terms of the money side of things, where I think... Take away the fact that he's a footballer he was he was offered nigh on five times the amount of money that he currently earns to do the same thing if not less under less scrutiny and to a a lower degree and I'm not, I can't speak about Jack's character, but I'm sure you'd be the same if someone offered you the exact same job you've got now for five times the amount of money. I'm sure you love it at the standard. But in a heartbeat, <laughs> yeah, that's it. As no, we, no, it's completely as understandable
2: James. why he wanted to take that, and, 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 and uh, as I said earlier, there are factors outside of it that that would maybe shift his his decision. Um, but I think for the club, if they can still get the 35 that they wanted. If they can still pick that up, then it should be a no-brainer, really, because no manager has got him to play for a full season yet without interruption. Arnautovic is someone that Pellegrini really likes the look of over a full season. But if they can bring in someone that he likes and, and, and that he wants to be the mainstay of that that sort of forward line then I think they'd rather go for that than than risk another season with Arnautovic. As West
1: Ham fans of course there's the potential for sentimentality to come into it. Arnautovic hasn't behaved particularly well this season but he's given you some great moments. Are you willing to forgive and forget? Are you perhaps worried that if you let him go and you bring in a perhaps more fashionable or exciting name from abroad you might not get someone who knows the Premier
3: League in the same way? No I don't disagree in that and there are a lot of fans that, regardless of how many goals he scores, you know, they they won't forgive him. My brother being one of them. Actually, we were in, you know, we were in France when he scored that his first his first goal against uh, Southampton. Uh, when he went one nil, and I said, "Oh," I said to my brother, Oli, we're one 0 up." He went, "Who scored?" I went, "On Altibich," and the next word that he came out of his mouth, I can't repeat on live radio. <laughs> Um So, yeah, he's not a big fan and, you know, he scored again and he was, like, brilliant with 2-0 up, but not him. Um, So, he has lost fans. I don't know what he's got to do to win those fans back, but, you know, I'd be, you know, if, if he stays next season and scores, you know, 15, 20 goals, which I know sounds like a lot, but, you know, if he can just give everything and not go missing for a month in January when there's a potential move on the road, then, you know, I think I'd be quite happy. If he does go,
1: we've heard various names linked with coming in to replace him. Who do you think is realistic and who of those names would be your choice?
0: I'd like to see Mitrovic. I'm not sure whether or not he's in that same bracket. I think perhaps he could be. But like you say, if you look at Arnautovic over a whole season, he's probably averaged out at seven, hasn't he? Mm. He's putting nines in week in, week out for Christmas. Then you look at him since, if he averages out at seven, that's probably similar to Mitrovic. Although you'd hope that he could push on, I I think if you saw someone like that at the club, he'd feel like he's got something to prove because he still has. I know he's done bits and pieces at Premier League clubs, but I still think he feels like he's got something to prove. He, he's one that good. gets
2: that that similar connection with the fans as well, isn't he? That that really takes that on board and, and really does want to do something when he when he is there. And yeah. My only
3: worry with that, and I, I, I rate Mitrovic, but my only worry is that are we not just replacing like for like? Is there a problem with that? Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. I wouldn't say it's like be- for be- like. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about temperament because... Oh, yeah. I, I think there's slightly I less than Mitrovic. Mitrovic. Mitrovic has had his issues in the past. Um, but you know, Mitrovic was an a young kid. And then, and then Newcastle. Well, I'm Fulham. Uh, yeah. And and then suddenly we've gone, right, OK, well, we've had enough of our outreach because you know, he thinks he's better than he is. And then suddenly we're going to replace him with someone that that could potentially... Do exactly the same thing if he has a good six months. But I don't... on
1: the mentality point, there is a separate issue with Mitrovic, though. Whereas Arnautovic is like he is, having matured. If you look at accounts of what Arnautovic was like as a teenager, for example, on loan into Inter Milan under Mourinho. Well,
3: Mourinho said that, you know, you think Balicelli's
1: bad, look at Arnautovic. Exactly. Whereas Mitrovic has had those problems. But he is still a very young man. He is maturing. He's actually scored goals for Fulham in a way that Arnautovic, you suspect won't next season.
2: But I don't see the problem. But he also as well with Mitrovic seems to now have those issues where people aren't putting in the effort for the club and he still puts the performances on the pitch. I, I can't remember the name of the... Is it camera? Abubakar camera at Fulham? Right, yeah. That yeah. He, he had the, the sort of dust up with while they were doing yoga I or think something like that. by all
1: accounts, and those are all... Uh, unconfirmed allegations as things stand, but I think Kamara is broadly seen to no, be no, the he's troublemaker. No,
2: he's a massive troublemaker. That's, uh, you know, for, by every account, he's a huge troublemaker, and that's not Mitrovic at fault. But my point is that Mitrovic is is having these dust-ups behind the scenes, but that was for, at the time, the betterment of Fulham. That wasn't him throwing his toys out of the pram because he's not got to move somewhere. That was because he was fighting to get everyone on the same page shows he cares mm. yeah. yeah, and I and I think he, he is a player with temperament and on the pitch he's, I remember him playing a game where he came on as a substitute against Saints and was booked within 20 seconds that side of his game has come out a bit and it's more getting the goals now and, he, and he's proved a consistent threat and a, and, a, and a thorn in the side for bigger clubs that, that could be a good option but they're also you know it, at the end of January they almost had Maxi Gomez from Celso Vigo wrapped up um, and the assumption was that if they didn't do it then, they would do it in the summer. Um, that, t- until today, it was in the paper today, our paper today, that it is very still much the assumption that he is he is the top target and, and they're confident of bringing him in. There were suggestions today that we
1: could see Gomez play with Arnautovic. That's something that we're not really discussing here. Do you think no, it's that, possible? No, that, that is
2: something they're looking at. Regardless of whether Arnautovic stays or goes, they want to add... Gomez because they, you can't have that burden on an all season. So they could spend that another... money.
1: They could spend forty five million quid without getting perhaps thirty five for an Yeah,
2: you 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 would think so, given I know there was a lot of expenditure last season, but there's gonna be a hefty amount of money off the wage bill this year. Andy Carroll's on, you know, sort of a hundred, odd thousand. Uh, Sam and Asri wanted a lot if, if Andy if uh Javier Hernandez goes as well that's a lot of money so it frees up a lot of cash it's almost 300 grand a week is isn't it could be quite a lot of money flying around those aren't the only
1: names who could potentially either replace or partner Arnal this is Love Sport and coming up we'll be naming a few more You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio, and we've been discussing the potential future of Marco Anatovic. Will he stay? Will he be replaced? Or will the club perhaps sign a striker to come in and play alongside him? Of course, Gomez from Celta Vigo has been talked about a great deal, but one name we've heard mentioned in the past few weeks is Andrea Bellotti of Torino. Do you think he's a
3: realistic addition, and would you prefer him perhaps to Gomez? I'd prefer him to Gomez. Um but I don't think it's a realistic target. I think you know I mean I think I said a few weeks ago when we were talking about it, you know, he's, he's a foot football, football manager legend. <laughs> you know, he's just a sign all the time football manager and he's banged the goals in for me, but realistically I can't see him. I think a bigger club will go in for him.
2: No, and we've spoken about the how important it is to get big wages off the club's book this season and then you do that. because 'cause he'd and, demand and big big money. Bellotti would would swallow the lot up, so I'm not quite sure who it is that's, that's written that, but I really can't see that being being it, a, an, a, a realistic target this mm. summer.
0: That strikes me as a bit when we were talking about Tech earlier in the season. It was one of those signings where you really liked the sound of and you thought, wow, that would be fantastic if he could come. But in reality, and as we've seen with his move to AC Milan, in reality you always kind of knew it was probably that little bit too far for a, for a club of our size at the moment.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think, and and that's been the story of our striker search for so many years. I mean, you know, it was only a few years ago that it was that summer where, you know, we were allegedly close to signing Lacazette or Batshuayi. And ended up with Simone Zaza. And ended up with Simone Zaza. We all know what happened to Simone Zaza and what happened to Lacazette and Batshuayi, both scoring goals in the Premier League. I know that's why he's been, you know, had a little bit more of a disrupted, you know, but he still played in the Premier League and scored goals. He got a title winning goal for Chelsea. Uh Lacazette, you know, one of the one of their leading strikers at Arsenal. So we we don't get those top strikers. We have to settle for a little bit less. Um so Bellotti, I don't see it happening.
1: And it won't just be players coming into the club in the summer. Of course, there might be a few headed for the exit. I know you two traditionally haven't been very keen on Mr. Masuaku. He's got all the tricks from left back, but he's not perhaps the best defender. Will Puelik outrage? I was
0: going to say I love him, Johnny. Do you love
1: him as a defender? Yeah, Will? I'm
0: assuming you mean King Arthur. Himself. Yeah. I do
1: apologise. The sword in the stone.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I love him. And I've read the stories come out in the last couple of days. absolutely broken my heart. So, All these big name signs we're looking forward
2: to this summer. Rest assured it's not going to happen, mate. He's safe
0: at West Ham. He's t- he's, Tottenham couldn't afford him, could they? So
1: what? what is, what is <laughs> That's this That's the rumor. way you want to look at it. Say that again. What is this rumour?
0: Well, no, the rumour is that, that Tottenham have been tracking him and Borussia Dortmund. It's my uh, colleague Warren Houghton at The Sun wrote the exclusive for that Borussia Dortmund and Tottenham are apparently tracking the left back. Spurs obviously in dire need of a wing back if the reports of Danny Rose obviously on his way out of the club.
2: I, I Ben Davies is probably the more likely one to leave you at think? the moment. Danny Rose I can see saying, but their Tottenham's first choice is Sesseyan and Sesseyan's first choice for a move which is really quite likely to happen but is, is Tottenham. But is, is so. Sesseyan's first choice of position left back. Not, not entirely, but they're not looking at getting rid of. But I Nor is Masuaku, to, to be fair. <laughs> um, but Tottenham, to delve into it slightly, aren't going to get rid of both, so they're going to have one, um, and then assessing and you see what Bostino can do with him. But on a Masuaku side, I can't see him leaving this summer. But I also think they need to replace him. So
3: I think what we've seen from Masuaku this year is that Pellegrini likes him. I was a little bit worried about. Sort of where he'd go I oh, I would say worried uh I questioned is probably the better word to say is is whether he would he would you know fit in under Pellegrini but Pellegrini's used him and he's used him well okay he's not he's not been consistent but I mean that's been Masuaku even before Pellegrini arrived you know the he's joking. not a consistent player but I think you know particularly towards the end of the season I think he's played he's played pretty well and he's proven much like Antonio has, much like Perez has it in stages, that could be effective squad players under Pellegrini moving forward. And you know, I don't see why we should should look to sell him.
0: Absolutely, I think that's what he did. Become a bit of a joke figure for a while at the club, didn't he? But let's not forget that he was the apple of everyone's eye not too long ago as well. The um, Lukaku song was floating around the London stadium, left, right, and centre. And I think he he has gone. It was quite a drastic dive, wasn't it, from the the form that saw him become a quick fan's favourite. But I do honestly think, joking aside, that this season he has really come into his own a bit more.
1: Yeah. G- gents, we're coming to the end of the show, so I'm going to offer you all one signing. It has to be a realistic signing. If West Ham could bring in one player, one star man in the summer, who would you go for?
0: I would have Mitrovic, I think, proven Premier League track record. James Ward-Prowse. Ooh,
2: and Jack? God, that hurts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it would be a Mitrovic or a Maxi Gomez. They need a striker.
1: A centre-forward could come in. The question then is, will Arnautovic stay? Will he go? Is he capable of playing in a two? Is he capable of working in a team? We'll be answering these questions and more throughout the summer. We'll be looking at all those transfer rumours, the comings, the goings, and, of course, in Masuaku's case, the stayings. Join us next week on the West Ham Fan Show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Radio on Twitter.
4: Sports Social Podcast Network.